I do the intermittent fasting, so I don't eat until 12. Oh, you are going to live to be 100. Yeah, I'm trying. I'm trying. I, so I, I don't eat from about 8 o'clock at night normally until 12 noon the next day. You must have classes in the morning sometimes, do you? I do. So, yeah, I don't eat until 12.15, 12.30. I teach until 12.15 every other day, so it's a little longer. If that was me, I would be eating the books in class or something. I would be, you get used I'd to be it. chewing on the desk by 10 o'clock. You get used to it. I have lots of snack foods. So I'll do a lot of snacking, I guess. But, but, um, but So you're not allowed to eat until 12 o'clock apart from snack foods? Uh, no, 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 I, no. No, no, no eating at all. But um, No eating at all? Okay, right. Like, I will have a... I'll either have a a larger lunch or I'll have a lunch and then a little bit later I might take a little bit more um, and then sort of a smaller dinner. So what you're telling me is you eat continuously for eight hours. Almost. (laughs) From 12 until eight. Yep. Yep. (laughs) But that's it. Give 16 hours to digest. A lot of it's just, yeah, a lot of it's about just uh, digesting thoroughly and um, the fasting. Fasting is actually good for, it really questions the, the whole idea of do we need to always eat and Will hunger pass, you know? Is hunger occasionally a good thing, so... Something tells me this research was not sponsored by McDonald's, was it? <laughs> oh, God, no. Supersize me. Undersize me. That would be... <laughs> we'll, we'll do a popcorn counter. Um, and I'm trying to, trying to remember to do things with... Like, uh, I always forget to just introduce ourselves. Oh, yeah. yeah okay, fine. Okay, good, good, good. Right, tell me when you're ready. I am... So, hello, welcome to the Popcorn Counter at the Two Real Cinema Club. I'm James Ruzica. And I'm Andres Lorente. And uh, we're sitting here, perched on our two stools, playing mm. uh, a slightly different version of my favourite game. Oh. So we're not going to play Who Am I? We're going to play Who Is He? Ooh. Uh, so, so, so many people queuing up here. Yeah. Um, so we've just got out of American fiction now. I can see all these people queuing up. Uh, and I, my game is I like to guess what people do. Because can, can you see there's a guy over there who has got... Like paint on his uh, jacket, yeah, and oh. uh, paint on his shoes, you know, and he's carrying um, like a little bag uh, with obviously got tools in it, something like that. What do you think that guy does? I think he's an accountant, right? He's like, <laughs> money dude. Yeah, he's got it written all over him. Absolutely. Maybe he's the person who paints the the dollar bills. Oh. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yes, yes. I'm sure he probably he probably is an accountant. I um I they're thinking about how like there's I I in my job I meet people who do like lots of different uh, jobs. This is like my standard little spiel. Yeah. When someone's going off to sleep for their for their operation, you know, people are always nervous and they're a bit anxious, and I ask everybody the same question i say what would you normally be doing on a thursday um you know if you weren't here being being sliced open and um (laughs) so so i I get you know and and, um you know illness is a real leveler i you know i meet people from all walks of life everybody gets ill and uh so i i meet kind of people who do all sorts of different jobs um you know so i meet you know people who uh are cabin crew i meet a lot of people who work in education i meet people who work in the caring professions you know i meet uh people who do hr and uh people who run a dating website or uh people who are a plumber or uh, all sorts of different things but uh i very very rarely meet someone who tells me oh i'm a writer Mm. and yet somehow as soon as we walk into the cinema I feel like there's a good sort of eight out of ten or one out one in eight films. Yeah. Uh, it's going to be about somebody who is a writer. I feel like writers are way, way overrepresented yeah. 
uh, in cinema. There's just so many films about writers compared to the number of people who actually are writers. In the same way, there are yeah. so many films about directors, even though there are not many film directors in the real world. That's right. Even, even if you watch a film, like at the end of the film, there will be thousands of people in the credits, yeah. but only one or two of them will be the director or the writer. Yeah. Um, but, but, but you know, you've, you rarely see a film which is about a continuity su- supervisor, you know, or a boom operator or a set decorator or, you know, there are far more people who do those jobs than there are writers. And yet those people never get to be protagonists in films. Why are there always films about writers? That's what I'm asking. That's totally rhetorical. <laughs> Um, we've talked about this, haven't we? I think not so long ago. I find a lot of the writers are boring. I think they don't make they don't make robust characters necessarily. So it's funny that so many films are around this automatic uh, idea that uh, yeah, a writer is going to be an interesting life. Um, I think probably because we writers create fiction, I guess, so they can sort of create life. They're life giving forces. So maybe that's the 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 shtick there, but point is boy the if you film a writer's life it's pretty boring i live a pretty boring <laughs> life and i'm only a part-time writer so i'm mean, a full-time <laughs> writer Oof! it's that guy in starbucks in the coffee shops just getting free wi-fi that's the writer right there that is not and, dramatic is it no well, occupying i have, I have a, like a personal theory about this which is that you know, although most you know if you ask people to stop 100 people in the street and say do you know any professional writers you know and most people do not mm. um but I'll stop 100 people in the street and ask them, can you name a writer? Uh, most people could probably name yeah. a writer. I, I think um, even if you don't know a writer, if you haven't met a writer, most people have read the mind of a writer. Most people have oh. been inside the brain of a writer. Yeah, you know, They have writers' names on their shelves or on their bedside table. So I wonder whether that is why writers commonly appear on screen, yeah. because we think that we know writers. Yeah. In a way, we know writers very intimately. I feel like there are some, you know, some writers whose you know, inner workings I know more intimately than, than many of my friends, because they've spelled out what they think about lots of things yeah. um, you know, explicitly in black and white. So maybe we kind of we believe that we know writers without actually really knowing them. They are kind of people who've been inside our head without yeah. us ever seeing their face. Oh. It's a different level of ubiquitousness, perhaps. Like, um, yeah. you mechan- mechanics are everywhere, but you don't necessarily see them, whereas writers are everywhere and you see books on shelves or you see portrayals of them in films. So they just they sort of just become everywhere. Hmm. So I've made a list of some of the, some of the, the writers in films that are kind of you know more notable because you know, sometimes you get it right sometimes you oh, get yeah. it wrong there there are films where the characters are writers and it makes no difference to what actually happens in a film it's just that nobody could think of a better job for them to do yeah and the good thing about writers is they don't keep to a schedule so yeah. if you need to go off and do some dramatic business for a film well you can because <laughs> you don't have to report to the boss or yeah. you know hand in that report so um it kind of lends itself to being a character in a film to that extent, mm. I suppose. But these kind of very inward-looking, um, uh, typey-typey people yeah. otherwise shouldn't be good characters for films. What's it mean? You think of like all these Woody Allen films. He's either a writer or someone else is always a writer. It it becomes too much. It's just it's kind of gets overdone as a result. Because um, um, I think they're definitely... A, some directors, some filmmakers who always have some writer in there, almost like a Greek chorus or something like that, trying making commentary or something like, along those lines. 
I mean, the, the one I think that gets it right is The Shining. Oh, yeah. <laughs> because Jack Nicholson, kind of, he's, he's kind of not a writer. Has he, so it's not actually about a writer. It's about somebody who wants to be a writer. Yeah. And I think that is everybody, isn't it? Almost yeah. everybody I know would quite like to be a writer. <laughs> Sounds quite good. I, I'd like to do that. If only I had enough time, yeah. I've got to do the washing up. Um, and so, like, you know, that's a, that's a brilliant idea for a character because that's somebody that everyone in the audience can, can um, empathise with. Yeah. But but people who are actual successful writers typing every day, yeah, not quite so good. Even harder because he was doing it in the day of typewriters. That's just before you had word processors and, and programs on computers. Um, there is a great story about how they came up with all those sheets in The Shining because I think this this was the very beginning of electric typewriters, ah. and I think it was Kubrick's daughter had an electric typewriter, and, and for the first time it was possible to copy and paste text. Oh. Uh, and so they got very excited by this. And yeah. you know, then suddenly it was possible for them to type out many, many pages of exactly oh, the same sure. phrase yeah. without too much uh, actual effort, which is why it made it onto the screen. It's a great little moment yeah. that when she oh. finds all those pages of of exactly the same phrase written on yeah. you know, page after page after page. Um, but, yeah, this is facilitated by the very earliest electric typewriter. And one of, for me, one of my favourite portrayals is... Um... Nick Cage in Adaptation, right? <laughs> Which is the yeah. Charlie Kaufman uh, sort of writing himself into the adaptation of a book that he's supposed to adapt for the screen, but it's so writerly because um, it's a story of a writer making the film about himself, but at the same time taking lessons with... Uh, oh, who wrote? Is that Bob McKee? Who's it? Who wrote... Um, Oh, yeah, it's Bob McKee, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he goes to see um, lectures with him, and then he's got a twin brother who actually becomes more of a writer than he is. Um, for me, I think that might be the best <laughs> writer story, period. Um, I'm going to get hold on for a second because I've got to grab Kiki because she's roughing like mad at something, presumably a fox in the garden. Hold oh, on for five wow. seconds. Kiki! Pop, That's pop. exciting. We have a cat named Coco, and James has a dog named Kiki. But the cats just meow. They don't bark like Kiki. And we don't have foxes. We have raccoons, squirrels, chipmunks. We've had a small snake. Um, we have a feral cat right now. Some birds. But no foxes. And a whole raccoon family. Six raccoons living back there one time. That we had come through there. Cats, obviously. Is, uh, 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 come on, we can't have, can't have roughing all the time. I am recording. Is Kiki okay? Was it a fox? She, she, well, she was roughing out the front door, which either means that somebody with a dog has walked past oh. and she's extremely excited to see another dog on her territory. Yeah. Occasionally it means someone has left a parcel at the front of the house, but there's no parcel. Oh. So sometimes her roughing like this is quite exciting. You think, oh, my Amazon delivery has arrived, but not today. Um, or the other thing is she's just terribly bored. You're still roughing now, aren't you? Okay, she's looking at me now as if to say, what's wrong with roughing? But <laughs> I said, oh, Kiki, now she's darting off again now. Um, she she'll start have... roughing any second now. How'd she get into the theatre in the first place? I don't think dogs <laughs> are invited to the popcorn counter. You well, she, could be a, she, could, she could well be a seeing-eye dog. Oh, oh good. Uh, I think the, you know, the best-trained dogs can probably give an ongoing audio commentary to the... <laughs> Uh, to, to patrons who have uh, <laughs> sight impairment. Um, what did the, the actor say? There was um, when we were in Paris. There were posters for um, 
a new film called Chien et Chat, I think, uh, which I'm presuming is dog and cat. Yes, it is. Uh, with two of the most unconvincing CGI uh, animals oh, I've ever no. seen on a poster. Um, were they write- Were they writers? It was, maybe it was a writing dog and a writing cat. <laughs> I I, uh, I always like to imagine that France is the home to sophisticated uh, sophisticated cinematic culture, but no, the film they were promoting was Chien et Chat. So uh, okay, I'm going I'm to have to go and grab her again. I might bring her in and shut the door. Hold on for a second. Okay. Pop, pop. Chien et Chat. Thank you in Chinese is Chia Chia. But that's not Chien et Chat. Right, I'm back. Okay, that's so uh, that time. That time. I mean, it was uh, it was my son at the door. So to think we oh. spent all that money on an expensive Amazon doorbell with a little camera and yeah. a, a Wi-Fi connection. Actually, all we needed was you know the the the, the dog. Um, so so maybe she was roughing because she could hear Edward far up the street coming back home. Oh, well, that's so nice. Maybe, maybe that's it. That's kind of sweet. Yeah, it's kind of, <laughs> kind of sweet. You there? Well, she's she's roughing to warn me. Look busy. Someone's coming. <laughs> <laughs> look, like, look like you've achieved something this afternoon. So this is something someone once told me that dogs, uh, dog films, never lose money. Have you heard this? Oh, I that, love uh, dog, that. Films that star dogs or films that revolve around dogs, uh, they are the only one hundred percent sure bet uh, for turning a profit in all of cinema. There's no dog film has ever lost money. Ah. Huh. I am rewriting all my scripts to make a dog, sometimes a talking dog, a major character. <laughs> I, said, I, I don't know whether this also means that no dog film has ever made a huge amount of money. Oh. Uh, but apparently they've never lost money. Huh. Uh, but part, part of that may be because you don't need to pay the dog. Uh, oh. That's, so, yeah. so it could be that you're saving money. On acting. Yeah. You'd have to pay a dog trainer or in this day and age maybe who ever created the dog yeah yeah you'd have to cgi the dog wouldn't but you but they're less than tom cruise that's for sure <laughs> huh. but in which case i've i don't know how easy it would be to try and wiggle sorry try, try and turn try and um insinuate a dog mm. into uh everybody else's project if you could if, if uh if you could persuade a producer that every time you're asked to write a script, well, there should be a dog in it, yeah. no matter what. <laughs> Sp- space film, Adam Sandler, there yeah. needs to be a dog in that. Yeah, be, they'd, dog. Cut, they'd get on to you, they'd say, that, why does that guy always have dogs in his films? <laughs> well, films always make money. Uh, I was going to argue with that. Um, you know what? I'm going I'm to look that up now, because I feel, I feel like that is such a contentious... Uh, 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 here we go. see if I can find... Uh, do dog films make make i do dog films make you cry oh do dog films make <laughs> sense do dog films make money now here we oh, go this what go. google is saying. uh when a dog acts in a movie does the dog get paid oh. no that's not what i'm asking for mm-hmm. 4k9 actors that made more money than humans the highest paid animal actors wow here's how to get paid to binge watch movies about dogs well, I already regret bringing this up or looking for this on uh, <laughs> on Google because none of these answer the question I oh, wanted answered. Of all the films about writers, be they writers that write about dogs or not, <laughs> um, the, <laughs> uh, my favourite one that I included on my list, I think, is yeah. either Mishima, 
which is the Paul Schrader film. Uh, and I, I think I've only seen that film once. Yeah. Uh, and I think I saw it very late at night. And and the film, in my mind, you maybe could possibly have been a dream, and it seems very hallucinatory. Oh. But I did borrow the soundtrack, which is by Philip Glass, from the oh. local library and played that obsessively for a long time. Oh, wow. So I, so I clearly remember the soundtrack better than the film, and the soundtrack is probably a good soundtrack to write to. Oh. Thereby bringing the whole process full circle. Yeah. I haven't seen Mishima. Or alternatively, The Lives of Others, which we've talked about before, which yeah. is um, a film about uh, pre-fall of the Berlin Wall, uh, East Germany, uh, where uh, the secret police are spying on a writer. And again, it's a writer who has a much more exciting life than most writers. Yeah. But at least you know, for both of those films, the meat of the story is about you know, interesting things that happen to or near writers rather than writers doing writing. Which is, yeah, as we've said inherently uncinematic because you're really looking for the character more than the occupation of the character. I mean, occupations definitely are a bit of characterization, um, but it doesn't necessarily make for a great story. Just focusing on someone's occupation. I like sideways. That's a good thing here on the list. Um, Ah, yep. yep. It's Paul Giamatti who does it really well. And and, I, I obviously, if, if we were to do who am I, any day of the week, I could say I'm Paul G. Money and Sideways, <laughs> teacher. He's got to read other people's writing. He's got to read teenage writing, which um, I do a lot of myself. And um, uh. and he's got this big book that he's lugging around um, and then eventually sort of lets go of it. Um, so I, I, I love uh, I love that. That seems to me like a very realistic um, portrayal of a, a, strugg- a struggling writer. I mean, he is a writer, but he's not doesn't seem like he's published. And then the other one you have here on the list is Wonder Boys, which I thought I really mm. liked um, Michael Douglas there. That seemed very real to me, sort of a, a teacher, professor type, and then trying to get his, or having this this book that everyone wants him to finish or whatnot. And then it, the book starts, his career starts to weigh him down and he's lugging that thing around quite a bit. And then it, <laughs> doesn't it get all blown apart in a parking lot at some point? It doesn't really matter. <laughs> Um, I just thought that was great too. It's really the complications that you can put into a writer's life that are going to make it a better film about a writer than just being about the writing itself. But I think those two are the ones on the list that most uh, most resonate with me. I may think maybe just about the best film about writers writing. It might be American fiction. Mm. It is at least about yeah, yeah. you know writing and the results of writing. And we do have, I think, maybe the best representation in cinema of a scene of somebody actually doing the typing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, they have really tried to address that, haven't they? They have kind of thought about sitting at a desk with a laptop. Yeah. You know, and typing and trying to put put words into the mouth of a character. Yeah. It's not an easy thing to represent, and that's probably about as well done as yeah. it could be. Yeah. So I like the fact that it's also about a, a good writer intentionally writing badly. <laughs> Which I think is a good, a nice touch. And a writer should be able to create worlds that they're not familiar with or maybe even worlds that they don't want to write about. You know, a lot of writers for hire are just, um, you know, picking out projects from other ideas or producers. And I think uh, that's a great, that's a great portrayal of doing something that you don't want to do. And again, that's in terms from a storytelling perspective, that's more interesting than someone just having a happy life where they write, they write whatever they want. It's peaceful. It's lovely. They've got a nice space to write in. 
that's boring. But <laughs> uh, Monk finding himself back in one of his childhood homes kind of, you know, he looks a little awkward in that space. It doesn't look like a classic writer space. It's a dining room table or something <laughs> or his father's office. I don't remember exactly. But um, and writing something he doesn't want to write, really, and having fun with it. That's uh, I think that's a, a more accurate portrayal of a, of a writer. And it's sort of more inspiring as a result. I read a great article about writers not wanting to write something uh, and, and doing it for the money the other week, which yeah. was um, there is a burgeoning uh, industry now um, all based around uh, rewriting students' uh, essays oh. and personal statements, which have been originally generated by AI. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so, you know, the idea is that now kind of, you know, any student applying to any college, well, you know, they can write a great personal statement, which is extremely articulate and, and well phrased and mm-hmm. full of all the right bullet points because ChatGPT will just generate it for them. Yeah. But 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 now you know, it's so obvious when they've been generated by ChatGPT that real uh, college professors are charging money on Fiverr to yeah. then rewrite your ChatGPT generated text wow. so that it sounds a little bit more like it's written by a human again. So the whole thing again is <laughs> coming full circle. This is twice, twice in one podcast. Yeah. The whole thing's come full circle. Oh, if, if people give you ChatGPT stuff at school, can you tell? Yeah, yeah. Because my, my students are mostly learning English. So it's very obvious uh, when I write that, right, you know, if I type that in, if they submitted it electronically or I write on the paper, this is not you. Um, yeah. But I mean, teachers use it a little bit too. I, I, I write a handful of college recommendations every year. Um, but for those teachers who are writing 40 or 50 college recommendations, oh. you can put it into ChatGBT and it'll give you something. I tried it and I thought it was just horrendous. And it's like, it's like the exact opposite of what a recommendation is for. It's supposed to make the person more human and, you know, fill out the, the portrait that you have of the character. Um, whereas, um, yeah, ChatGPT is um, just, it's just, it's, it's just one sort of um, uh, synthetic uh, recommendation piece after another. It's just nothing. There's nothing original. It's just platitude after platitude. So um, it seems, yeah, it's, that seems very disingenuous to me. I don't know if I'll ever, if I had to do a lot more of them, I'd probably break down and start using it. But I hope <laughs> I never do because that seems like the worst setting to use it. I think yeah, someone clever could take your students' essays and just worsen them up, isn't it? You, yeah. need, um, you need kind of crap GPT, which will <laughs> automatically turn your submissions into something far less competent and convincing, thereby making them seem real. Yeah, that's who I want for a sponsor, crap GPT. <laughs> I can feel a spoof ad coming on. <laughs> uh, right, OK. Um, I've had quite enough of popcorn now. I reckon I've been looking at this guy. Can you see the guy over here? Wears like a paper hat and an overall. Um, oh yeah. And an apron with stripes on the front. Yes. Uh, and he, he's kind of standing right behind the popcorn counter. Yeah. I reckon that guy is a popcorn distributor. Oh. 